We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Thursday for the 24th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And on today's show, guys, I break down an incredible night at the CLA. It feels good to be good yet again as South Carolina basketball beats the Mississippi State Bulldogs by a final score of 66 to 86 at Colonial Life Arena. Guys, I'll break down the game in its entirety. I'll give my biggest takeaways. Also, hand out the shooter shoot of war and talk what's next for Frank Martin's squad as South Carolina moves over 500. In SEC play. Who would have thought? Also, guys, hey, the Yardcocks are back in action this weekend. I will break down the weekend series against George Washington, guys. I'll break down the Colonels. Uh, also talk their pitching, their hitting. Also, of course, talk South Carolina, their rotation, what to watch for, key player, and lock in my prediction as well. Also, we got a fantastic throwback conversation, guys. Great interview with former South Carolina pitcher Sawyer Bridges. Guys, one you do not want to miss, guys. Hey, we got a packed show for you here on this Thursday. And, of course, as always, guys, it's brought to you by our friends over at the Spurs Up Show store, guys. TSUS.store. That's TSUS.store. The best Gamecocks merchandise on the Internet. Be sure to stay tuned to all our latest drops, including hoodies, T-shirts, Long sleeves, pullovers, koozie, stickers, you name it, we got it. TSUS.store. That's TSUS.store. And guys, we got new stuff coming. We're talking baseball. We're talking St. Patrick's Day. We're talking all kinds of stuff on that storefront. So, again, guys, be sure to stay tuned on social media, on TSUS.store. All of the latest fire coming your way. Again, guys, that's the Spurs Up Show store, TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Let's get it. But Tattoo Watch 2022 
is officially on. And at this point, I'm just trying to figure out a good tattoo parlor and cola and a good cheek to put it on. Because Frank Martin and the boys, they obviously want to see me have a tat of our head coach on my buttocks. Folks, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host, the Spurs. Which was always appreciate you all tuning in. We have got a packed show for you here on this Thursday. And, and not to start, guys, on a sappy note, because we got a lot to get into. Hey, it's a celebration Thursday, right? Uh, we're celebrating, certainly. I've cracked a beer. We have some drinks. We're having a good time in the studio. And you should be. Hey, feels going to be good. Four straight wins. Over 500 SEC play. We're still fighting for our postseason lives. But to start on a bit of a sappy note, somehow, some way, I stumbled upon this uh, while I was prepping for the show. And it was an episode back from March the 14th of 2018. And it was called the State of the Armchair South Carolina Address, episode 40, right? This is episode 606, right? Episode 40 of the Spurs Up show. And I clicked on it, of course, and started listening and was just prepping for the show, putting notes together. And I heard myself, obviously, talking about the progress we had made and the plans and what, you know, armchairs of business had going on, but talking about specifically what we were doing and talking about hitting a 1,000 followers, you know, early earlier in that year and hitting 1,700 followers in that month that I was speaking in. And, again, guys, my favorite word in the English language is perspective. Truly, it is. If you did not know that, it's perspective. Perspective, I, 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 I live by that. That's what drives me, is perspective. Perspective is what drives me. And so to hear that, you know what I mean? To hear my, myself, to hear myself, hear myself talking about that and speaking on that. And in that moment, I, I, I mean, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing. I was at home laying in my, in my, uh, my old room at home. And just my brother, I think, was even in the room. Shout out to Steven, who's in Anchorage, Alaska, right now in the Army. Um, I, I was in that room just kind of like I'm going to lay down and just like record a record an episode. My buddy, you know, my co-host at the time couldn't do it. And we're going to we're going to talk Gamecocks or just really talk business. You know what I mean? And, and uh, it just it just provides a lot of perspective, man. It's it's. You know, it's it's when you hear stuff like that, it, it's it's cool. It's cool. So and I again, I owe it to you guys. I mean, it's it's life's a dream now. Truly. I, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent or too much off off, off the tracks here because we're talking Gamecocks. But. Life's a dream, and you guys have made it that way. Um, you know, people recognize and really, really rock with the Spurs Up show. You know, we're handing out stickers and giving out merch, and and you guys are showing love and support, and and uh, it, it's just it's it's cool, man. It's cool, and I, I just want to say thank you again. I, you know, I, I try to show as much gratitude as possible. I try to make it a point to show gratitude each and every single day, each and every single show, but I, I lead my life with it. And, and I want to just express it again, um, that I really appreciate you guys. And again, this is, this is not like a, you know, it, it's just a thing that, you know, you sit down and, and you, you, 
we live so present moment, right? You don't, you don't spend a lot of time looking back or even looking forward, but you live present moment, especially in sports, especially in just the way that I operate my entire life. I live present moment. I'm very a present moment person. But when you think back to what we've built and what we've done and where we are and where we're going, it is, um, you know, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. And again, I, I owe you guys everything. I owe you guys everything. So thank you so much. Again, it's just crazy to hear that. You know, I, I was so excited in that podcast. It's 1,700 followers. And now we're about to hit 20,000 on Twitter. You know, we're about to hit 23,000 on Instagram. And, and we're doing this. We're doing that. We're throwing tailgates. We're merch and, you know, what have you. So I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you to the guy, you guys. And again, it's, it's what's great about it, too. And I know you all, you all know this. Uh, Every time that I, I, I share something like that, I share it with you because we all celebrate together. I really feel like the people, you know, people ask me all the time, why do you say we? Why do you say we? Why do you say we when you say that the content? Why is it we? Because we know it's you. We know it's you. What, what are you talking about? We, we, we. Because TSUS is nothing with just me. You know, it's, it, it's, 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 it's not. It's not, right? Am I an important piece? Sure. But without the people that show love and support in TSUS, it's, it's nothing. We're nothing, you know, right? We're nothing. And to a degree, we're nothing. So you guys make TSUS what it is. You guys are pushing us to what we're becoming. And, again, I just can't say thank you enough, man. Thank you so much. Um, what a journey. The joy is truly in the journey. The beauties and the banter. And hey, let's have some banter today, man. I, I, I didn't, I didn't really plan to start the episode off so sappy, but uh, you know, just hearing that, and uh, you know, just, just, man, what a ride. Uh, hey, let's, you know, you know what? <laughs> if it, it feels good to be good on Thursday, let's let's talk South Carolina basketball, guys. The Gamecocks beating Mississippi State. Final score. Court Cox, 66, MSU, 56. What a game. And a game that was domination, by the way, from the jump. It was 35-23 at half, and you won the game by 10 points. South Carolina guys doing something I, I didn't think they'd do all year, which was get over 500 SEC play. And, uh, you know, I, I said this a couple of days ago, and I'll say it yet again. You know, at this point, gun to head, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. I'm just saying, I'm just stating a fact. I do think at this point that Frank Martin has solidified he'll be back next year um, with the recruiting momentum, with the late season momentum, with everything he has going on, going for him. I do believe he's back. I, I believe he'll be back. I'd be shocked if he's not. And, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. Guys, I'm good with that. Again, I, what I said early in the season was because I saw a team, I saw a program that it felt like, was dead. It felt like was was on life support. And you know what? I said, if if this team's able to turn around, if this team's able to make a run, if they're able to push for the tournament, get in the tournament, then you know what? He should come back. And I don't know at this point whether you will get in the tournament, but you are making a hell of a push. And this team is playing for Frank Martin. They love Frank Martin. They support Frank Martin. They're giving their guts out for Frank Martin. And you know what? Again, at this point, I would predict he'll be back. Now, that game last night, I mean, you know, it feels good in a way because I picked South Carolina to win and all you guys were shitting on me, right? You, you were all killing me. 
killing me for picking us to win. And it was just one of those things, though, guys, here's why. Again, I, I don't try to make picks and try to be wrong. You know, I, when you make as many picks and predictions and opinions as I have, you're going to be wrong every now and then. You are. But I made this point for the game. I've been wrong more times picking us to lose and we win than picking us to win and we lose, okay? So I looked at it as this. Hey, South Carolina is playing like a team of destiny. They are. Momentum. It's college basketball, man. A team of destiny. And you have this Mississippi State team who beat you by 20 last time on your home floor. You do. And I think almost Vegas, you know, right? They had the Gamecocks, the two-point underdog. They keep begging people to take the favorite. They keep begging people to pick against us. They do. They do. And we just keep shoving up their ass. We, we do. We keep shoving it up their ass, right? We don't care. We don't care. And my biggest takeaway, guys, from, from last night is this. We are right now. We are, we are right now at this very moment. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way. I don't want to jinx us. We're a team of destiny. Right now, we are playing like a team of destiny. Like, this is, this is meant to be the season that salvages Frank Martin's tenure in Columbia. It, 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 that's how it's going. Whether you like that, you dislike that, I, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's how we're playing. I mean, watching us play, watching us play right now compared to a month ago or two, whenever, when you were in CLA or when I was in CLA, and just watching us now, the energy's different, the camaraderie's different, everything about this team's different, everything. It's it's hard to explain what's going on in Columbia, South Carolina. And look at us again, out shooting your opponent, 44% to 36%. Guys, Mississippi State went 0 for 14 from three-point. Meanwhile, you went 6 to 21, 29%. You shot 10 of 11 from free throw. They shot 18 and 26, but it didn't matter. You got the dub. You got the dub. I thought ball movement was fantastic. The energy, the excitement, the – this is a team playing with a chip on its shoulder, an edge. And, again, you cannot tell me. You cannot tell me that this team is not playing knowing that I'm going to get a tattoo on my ass of Frank Martin if we make the tournament. There's just no way. There's no way. There's no way they don't know that. They do. They certainly do. Right. I think Frank Martin does. I joked on the post game. That's why he switched the zone defense because he's like, you know what? We got to do something. And I want to see C. Philly get the freaking tat on his ass. But they're playing like a team of destiny coming together, man. Momentum. You love to see it, man. I, listen, we set, we've all been critical of Frank. Most of us, we all want to see the same thing. And that is this team win. That's it. We just want to see this team win. I just want to see South Carolina basketball, you know, honestly raise the level of expectation just a little bit and, um, you know, be a postseason team. Because, again, we talk, the tournament's all that matters in college basketball. That's it. That's it. And so, I mean, four in a row, man, you're over 500 in SEC play. You're, you're top five in the league, I think. You have solidified a winning season yet again. You've solidified a winning season yet again. 
And that's something that has not happened very often. You know, you look at, uh, let's see, the statistics on it say that South Carolina, let's see, the Gamecocks have clinched an overall winning season. Frank Martin, sixth in his 10 years at USC. USC's previous four coaches combined for eight overall winning seasons in 21 years. So, so, um, there you go. There you go. And, uh, you know, when, when you, you know, when, when, when you look at the history, and that's why I went on record saying what I said about Frank Martin in the, in the future. Is Frank Martin the GOAT? Mm, I don't know about that, but you know what? He's better than anybody we've ever had. He, he's better than, so that's why I understand why it's hard for South Carolina fans to say we want to move on, you know. Um, we don't have a horrid product on the court. We don't have a terrible team. Are we going to do anything crazy and make the tournament every year? No, but I think most people in South Carolina basketball just appreciate not having a terrible product. And so again, guys, I say, who am I to fight that? Who am I? And again, we'll address everything else postseason after the season, but you know, what a win, what a win, a Mississippi state team that had beaten you by 20 earlier in the year. And I mean, you shall act them, right? It wasn't even close. I mean, we, we, you know, we got there right at tip and, Guys, it, it wasn't even close. It was not even close. Wasn't even close. That game was never in doubt, ever, ever. Was that game ever within double digits outside of the first, like, five minutes? I don't think it was. So, uh, guys, shooter shoot award for sure. It's got to go to Coos. Leading your team again, 22 points, 6 of 15 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 8 of 8 from free throw. Jermaine Coostar, when he's playing well, we play well. And, of course, what's next for South Carolina basketball? The Gamecocks take on Alabama at their place. A tough game. Full breakdown of the show tomorrow. We'll talk about that game. But it's uh, going to be a pivotal one. They're all pivotal. They're all big. They're all important. But um, what a win tonight. What a win last night, I should say. What a win last night. Incredible. The resiliency, the toughness. And, dude, again, there, there was no, like, oh, we're going to fall behind, come back, make a run. Bro, you crushed them. You crushed them. You crushed them. And I think really being at home, hey, shout out to Gamecock Nation, the crowd. I thought the student section was incredible. The crowd was incredible. Um, the people I were with were fired up, and I was fired up. And, um, man, what a night. What a night. This team, again, is just playing with momentum. They're playing with confidence. And, and in college basketball, again, it's a lot like baseball, where the game is really not about – and I guess basketball, you know, it's different. The game is about size to a degree and speed. and But – it's such a mental game. It's such a mental game in the sense of you get hot, you get confident. It doesn't really matter if the guy across you is bigger than you. It doesn't matter if he's faster than you. It doesn't matter if he's smarter than you. It doesn't matter if he's, it doesn't really matter anything. What matters is, you know, again, your belief and your abilities and you put in the work and guys, we're hot, man. We're just, the cocks are freaking hot. The cocks are freaking hot. So, feels good to be good. What a win. Gamecocks in the dub, 66 to 56 at CLA over MSU. Guys, let's talk some yard cocks. Hey, Frank, uh, excuse me, Mark Kingston's squad, I should say, returns to action against George Washington this weekend. And what really serves as the final, quote-unquote, tune-up, not putting disrespect to the opponent, but the final tune-up, uh, in the season as you take on the George Washington Colonals of the Atlantic 10, their head coach, Greg Ritchie, 
Last year, they went 26 and 18, 14 and 10 in the A10. Uh, this year, they are 0 and 3, got swept on opening weekend to University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. I think I got that school right, but either way, they got swept on the opening weekend. And the games, guys, were not very close. You look at the games, they lost 3 0. 7-1 and 23-3. So a combined score of 33-4 to over their opening weekend. 33-4, the combined score. So again, they'll look to rebound against South Carolina. Um, you look at their team, the pitching staff. Last year, a 5.4 ERA. Uh, their starting rotation, or what we projected to be, they're writing a pitcher on Friday. Harrison Cohen, 0-1 with a 3.6 ERA this point this season. Saturday, they'll throw right a pitcher, Connor Harris, 0-1 with a 6 ERA. And then Sunday, Random pitcher, Justin Salt, 0-1 with a 45 ERA. And again, guys, it's early in the season. Numbers are skewed, but that's who I project they will throw this weekend. Their hitters hit 293 last season, so a pretty good average. Uh, guys, they have coming back, hit 349 last year with 27 RBIs. Utility player, Steve DiTomasio, good, good player for them. Infielder, no 11, another good one, 333. Six homers and 47 RBIs last year, although no 11, 0 for 10 on opening weekend. So he's cold right now. And also infielder, Cade Fergus, 299 with a two home run and 25 RBI a year ago. So again, some solid players for the Colonel squad. You look at USC, their rotation, we would assume is going to be Will Sanders, James Hicks, and Josiah Seitler throughout the weekend, two righties and a lefty. And when you move into what to watch for, guys, I think one of the top things you got to start with is the big knock and this offensive lineup. And you look at this team, guys, you're three and one, and in four games, you have double-digit hits in every single game. But I'll tell you this. I, I talked to a former South Carolina baseball player yesterday afternoon before my 10-roof show, and he called me with concern. And this is a guy that played on the teams with Justin Smoke and Reese Havens and James Darnell and Fish Dish. And, of course, I'm not going to drop him by name, but we talked, and he's a guy that I really respect his opinion. And he mentioned, Chris, how many homers did Wes Clark hit last year? How many homers did Brady Allen hit? Where are you getting that production? Where are you getting those big-time hits? And right now, I don't know. Now, with that being said, I think it's a good thing how you got double-digit hits in four straight games, and you got guys in your lineup that have done it before, right? Andrew Eister's done it. Braylon Wimmer's done it. Josiah Seitler's done it. Kevin Madden at a different school has done it, right? There's big-time sticks in that lineup, but – and I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not saying you're going to find a guy. There's nobody in your lineup that's going to do what Wes Clark did. Nobody in your lineup is going to hit 23 bombs. But where and when are the big hits going to start coming? Because I swear we got to lead the country in singles. And I'll tell you guys this, to be honest with you, I don't know if I really voiced this, but Tuesday night, I was frustrated. I was frustrated. I've been frustrated watching these, these infield hits and these singles. And listen, I, I love getting guys on base. It's great. You start a rally that way. But I feel sort of like Ray Tanner right now in the sense of, bro, singles clog the bases. Hit dingers. Hit gappers. Hit bombs. Enough with the singles, okay? Like somebody's got to step up and catch one on the barrel. And you look at George Washington, again, your final tune-up, if you will, right? You got to take advantage. Like, somebody's got to be the dude. Somebody's got to be the guy, multiple guys, to say, you know what? Hey, I'm catching one square. Left center, right center, route 325. 
Whatever you want to do, hit a bomb. I don't care, bro. But on a night, especially like Tuesday, when the wind's blowing out, it's warm. Dude, Phil Disher would have killed for a night like that. James Darnell would have killed for a night. Reese Havens, Justin Smoke, Christian Walker, JBJ, they would have killed for a night like that. Like at some point, dude, I get it. We want to be more productive. We want a higher average. But, you know, and I know people say, we hit too many home runs last year. But you don't want to completely get rid of the home run. It changes the ball game. It changes momentum. It fires up your dugout. It blows open a game. So can Sal kind of this weekend find the big knock? Not the singles, not the random hit here and there, not the solo jack, but when you got bases loaded, man, and it's bases loaded multiple innings, and that team, you know, they're walking guys, they're making errors, they're making mistakes. And you know what? The Texases the Vandys, the Tennessees, the Ole Misses, they're, they're not going to make those mistakes, guys. You got to come up with the big knocks. You better get into a habit of getting those big knocks. And it starts now. It starts now. So can you find the big knock this weekend? Also, guys, what to watch for, and of course, you might have already heard today, um, recording this Wednesday night, but the status of Julian Bosnick, what is it? What is it? Um, how close is he? Is he even remotely close? Will he be ready by Clemson week? I want to know what's going on with him. What's going on with Boz? Because right now, a lot of your season, a lot of the status of your season kind of hangs in the balance. It kind of hangs in the balance of, is he ready? Is he good to go? Is he healthy? What's going on? So how Mark Kingston updates that, hey, does Julian Bosnick getting in an inning this weekend? Just to get him back in the game, back in the flow, Right. So what is the status of Julian Bosnick? Again, guys, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but one of my other storylines, the final tune-up, uh, just, you know, really, with all due respect to your opponent, this is the final series where I think you look at it and you say, okay, South gonna should definitely, know, no doubt, win the series. Good chance they should sweep and could sweep, and they need to take advantage. After this, you have Clemson. Like, guys, Clemson week is next week, believe it or not. I'm going to be on one, by the way, but Clemson week's next week. Then you got, you got Clemson next weekend. You got Texas. Then you're in the SEC play, and you're off and running. So this sort of serves, and Mark Kingston talked, finding your best nine, finding your guys. Um, this serves as a weekend to sort of do it, and that leads me to the final thing to watch for, which is establishing roles and finding that best nine. You're doing that this weekend. You're doing that this weekend. Um, you know, roles for guys in regards to the bullpen, right? Getting guys like Thad Ector. You know, uh, Vito, uh, Cole Messina, you know, uh, Lambros, you know, uh, Hornung, other guys, time, getting them, getting them ABs, getting them innings. This is the weekend to do it, man. It's the weekend to do it. Get them looks. Lee Croy, get them innings, get them, get them looks. Um, you know, it's, you know, you, you like to go into the Clemson weekend knowing who your guys are, especially, you know, I, I, I think we're fine in the field. We know our guys in the field. But the bullpen, who's the first out? Who's the second? Who's the third? Who's the closer? I don't know. Guys, I still don't know. I still don't know. That's got to be determined this weekend. Like, you, you, you need to make decisions now. They got to happen. So establishing the roles, finding the best nine, pivotal for the weekend. Guys, key player. Let's talk key player uh, for the weekend against George Washington. And again, 
you know, you feel like you should be able to have a lot of success. But my key player, I, I just, a guy I want to see step up, Kevin Madden, the Virginia Tech transfer. He hit the big bomb on Tuesday against Winthrop. And a guy that I talked about a lot at 313 last year at Va Tech. I just really want to see him come to his own. I want to see this guy come into his own, you know, be that dude and um, be a leader, be a leader in the lineup. Because again, guys, we didn't have a guy in our lineup hit for over 300 last year. So Kevin Madden bringing that type of talent, that type of experience, that type of productivity, he should be a leader in our lineup. So I, I want to see Kevin Madden get hot. I do. I want to see Madden get hot. Of course, I mean, I'm sure many of you will look at Josiah Seitler. What's going on with him? Will he get hot? Will he do his thing? But I think Kevin Madden, man, just he's a veteran dude. He's a, he's, he's a major piece. He's a major piece of the lineup. Huge piece. He's a huge piece for you. So Kevin Madden, my key player for the weekend. I'm not saying he's to have a good weekend to, to win the series or sweep or whatever, but I just think he's going to be such a pivotal piece of your lineup. I, I would love to see him get going for you. Um, guys, leading into my prediction, long story short, you know, I, I picked it last week, and I'll tell you this. I think UNCG is actually a pretty solid ball club. But you look at George Washington losing the way they did over the opening weekend, losing 3-0, 7-1, and 23-3. to Again, a combined score of 33-4 to to the University of Texas at Rio Grande Valley. Um, this is one, guys, I'll tell you. I'm all about winning two of three, right? You win two of three, you had a successful weekend. But if, if you don't sweep this team, I think we got some problems. I, I think if you do not sweep... The University of Texas, or excuse me, if you don't sweep George Washington, who lost the University of Texas at Rio Grande Valley, if you don't sweep them, you got issues. Um, they struggled so mightily in their opening weekend. It's a team you should be able to take advantage of. I, I expect Will Sanders the deal. I think Hicks has a good outing. Um, piece it together on Sunday. You should be able to swing it all weekend and get those big hits and big knocks. And again, you have to because this is your final tune-up. I do think, guys, the Gamecocks will sweep. I think they take care of business. I just think George Washington, not a very good team. You know, it's it's baseball. Anything can happen, certainly. But when they lost, when you lose the way that they lost, again, 33-4 to four in three games, South Carolina should be able to hit it all over the yard all weekend long. So, again, guys, give me the Gamecocks. I got them getting the series sweep and moving to six and one going to their Tuesday midweek against Appalachian State. Again, I, I just don't think that uh, – I don't think George Washington's got the firepower to keep up, and I think the Gamecocks will continue to tool. Continue, I think you'll see a lot of different faces, guys in the bullpen – Guys in the pitching staff, in the lineup, a lot of youngsters. Again, this is kind of your final weekend to sort of do that and tune up and, and get guys experience. And, of course, the ideal situations, you're up big and you can get them in. And I'll tell you what, after an opening weekend where, yeah, you won two of three, right? You won two of three. You won your midweek seven to one. But that first weekend, I mean, nothing was easy. You won nine to seven, lost five to four, and then won on a walk-off. So you'd like to get some big wins, score a lot of runs, have a fun day at the yard, get multiple guys in. We'll see if they can do that. But, again, guys, I do have the Gamecocks getting the sweep. I, I just think, again, George Washington on your level, you'll take care of business, and you will move, indeed, to six and one. So, again, guys, that's going to do it for my, my breakdown of the weekend series. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, your predictions. Also, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Gamecocks win over Mississippi State. What do you think, man? Is this a team of destiny? Are we going to the tournament? Am I getting an ass tattoo? I have no idea. 
going to be a wild time, but uh, yeah, as always, going to be a very exciting weekend in the city of dreams watching the Gamecocks. Also, guys, quick reminder before we go into our interview, uh, Corona Alehouse this weekend, the Harbison location Sunday at 2 o'clock. We are throwing a watch party for the Gamecocks women's basketball game. Tip off at 2. I'll be there at 1. Would love to have you guys come out again. That's Carolina Alehouse in Harbison in Columbia, South Carolina. But again, guys, do not go anywhere. I'm done. We've got a great conversation, great throwback interview with former Gamecocks running pitcher Sawyer Bridges from September of 2020. We sat down and talked about his illustrious career in Garnet and Black. So again, guys, hey, appreciate you all tuning in. It feels so good to be good, both on the hardwood, on the diamond, like really any sport at this point, football, what Beamer's doing. Hey, feels good to be good. Feels good to rock with you all. And thank you all so much for your love and support. Guys, hey, appreciate you all. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And enjoy this conversation with former South Carolina pitcher Sawyer Bridges. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show, a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2017 to 2019. During his career, he threw 63 innings for the Gamecocks, went 4-2 and two with a 4.71 ERA, 61 strikeouts, and six saves. He also spent 2020 as a grad assistant on USC's coaching staff and is now coaching at the baseball academy over in Lexington, still in the local area. I'm very excited to have on former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher, Sawyer Bridges. Sawyer, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, man, I'm joined. Join it. Join it. Absolutely. So I want to start from the beginning because, you know, I don't know what it is. The Somerville to South Carolina connection has been very, very good to South Carolina over the years. I think of you. I think of some of your other teammates. That has seemed to be a nice pipeline for the Gamecocks. But, again, you being an in-state guy, local kid, just talk about your recruitment to South Carolina because, you know, a lot of people, they don't really think about that in baseball, the recruiting starts so early on. It's so much different than football. I mean, you got guys that are committing as true as freshmen in high school. You know what I mean? So it, it starts so early. But just talk about, you know, your, the recruiting process for you. Did you grow up a South Carolina fan? I mean, when did South Carolina come into the picture and what made you choose to go to Carolina? Yeah, so um, you talk about the Somerville kind of pipeline. So it was actually at one point um, – I was committed to Clemson. TJ Hopkins uh, played with him since I was young. He was committed to College Charleston. And then everybody thought Zach Bailey, who uh, lived with me for a brief time, but we went to school, middle school together, and then high school together. He was – everybody thought he was going to Clemson. And we all ended up, like, figuring it out. I decommitted. TJ decommitted. Zach ended up uh, flipping – or not flipping, but deciding to go to South Carolina. So – it was crazy, and that happened within, like, a one-year span. Uh, but, yeah, like, my family was always South Carolina fans. Uh, my dad's side of the family, they were all Georgia people, so mm. I had some interest in Georgia. Uh, obviously, I committed to Clemson when I was young. They were the first to offer, so I don't know. I, I loved Coach Leggett, loved Coach LaCroix, and uh, loved Coach Papaselli. I actually saw him. He's the uh, head coach at Cornell, so when we mm. played them my senior year, uh, I got to talk to him, so that was pretty cool. But, yeah. So, I'm trying to think the timeline. So, I think I committed to Clemson going into my sophomore year, and then I decommitted my junior year. And uh, that's when Coach Holbrook reached out, and we started talking, and uh, you know, just kind of fell in love with the place. My brother talked me into it as well, so <laughs> it all ended up working out. But how, how much easier did it make the decision when it's like you, TJ, Zach Bailey, you guys are all going to uh... – all going to Carolina. How much easier to make that decision since all your all your buddies basically are going to Carolina? It's like, hey, why don't we just go to Columbia together? 
Yeah, it made it real easy. Like, I don't know, especially when TJ was on me, because I think TJ was already committed. Mm. And when he was on I me, know. I know he's, like, he's a diehard Gamecock, man. He, he, he bleeds yeah. it. Yeah, he's like my brother. <laughs> Yeah. He's like my brother. Like, he'll fight people over it. Like, he – I don't know. He he had me committed pretty much. And then, you know, honestly, Coach Elliott, the football, mm. uh, I got pretty tight with him. I bet my phone's sitting up on yeah. this thing. Uh, but, yeah, Zach was, was talking to Coach Elliott, and I got to meet him because I play football too. And so I actually saw, like, a bunch of the recruiting coordinators for, like, all these, I don't know, major colleges through Zach. And I got really tight with Coach Elliott. Um, and then when TJ was talking to me and then when Coach Holbrook, you know, came in the picture, you know, it was just like, I, I don't know, it just seemed like it, it fit. And uh, I really liked the coaches. I liked the players. I knew that if, if I already knew people when I was going in, I'd already be more comfortable. And just like, I feel like if you're more comfortable uh, when you go in, then like, it's not, I don't know, it's not as new. It's not, you don't feel so overwhelmed. Um, mm. And so I felt like that was a big part for me as well. For sure. So I, I want to talk about Coach Holbrook a little bit, and we're going to kind of get into what happened going from the transition from Holbrook to Kingston. But what was the relationship like with him? I, I know he was obviously on the staff when South Carolina won the back-to-back national titles, mm-hmm. definitely a player's coach. Players loved him. I mean, all your teammates I've had on that have talked about him, they all loved him. What was the relationship like with you between you and Holbrook? Yeah, so I love Coach Holbrook. Uh, I still talk to him um, every so often. Like, I, I love Coach Holbrook. I love playing for him. We've always had a good relationship. Uh, you know, I never had met him before I committed to him. Well, no, I say – so when I committed to Clemson, I had never met Coach Holbrook. Uh, Coach Myers was the one that originally showed, showed me around on my first visit when I was, like, a freshman or something. So I didn't really know him. But then when I decommitted from Clemson, uh, we got really tight through uh, to him recruiting me. Uh, he actually came down to some football games. He, I think, watched me play against Goose Creek, like, my sophomore – or no, not my sophomore, my junior year after I decommitted. And uh, so I, I created a relationship with him then, and I, I don't know, I just fell in love with the guy, man. He, he's awesome. He, he's a great dude. He, uh, you know, just was a lot like a lot of people I know from Somerville, just kind of laid back. Uh, so we just, we just kind of hit it off. For sure. So as a freshman in 2017, saw you come in, you made eight appearances, but you tore your rotator cuff, which leads me to this question because – I know Gamecock fans later in your career, and you were a guy that was constantly battling arm injuries. I, and a lot of guys do. But were you over the top when you came in, or did you were you always sidearm, or did you drop down because of the injury? Yeah. So, come to find out, I had the uh, I'd always had arm injuries like throughout mm. high school, but like I never thought they were serious. Uh, I thought you know I thought it was just soreness. So I would play around with arm slots, but I never dropped like super low. Mm. Um, and I was a really hard thrower over the top. But when I got hurt my freshman year, I was over the top my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was throwing it pretty good, but I, shoot, I was giving up freaking tanks. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I figured out real quick, it doesn't really matter how hard you throw. If, if it don't move or you ain't got something else to go with it, it, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's when I made the change. And it, it was due to the injury that, that I made the mm-hmm. change and had to drop subby. Yeah, I was going to say, did you have, like, a welcome to the SEC moment? Because, I mean, obviously, that, that 17 team, the entire time you're there, there's talent all over the field. I mean, you're going to see yeah. – you, you're going you're gonna to get tested in the inner squads and the scrimmages from your own guys. Was there, like, a welcome to the SEC moment where you're like, yeah, like you said, I, I got to find a secondary pitch or I got to change something up? Man, I'm shoot. It, I mean, it was had to be first fall scrimmage or second fall scrimmage. It wasn't even, like, season when I mm-hmm. learned it. 
I mean, it was – I never really given up many, many hits in high school just because, like, if you throw hard and you've got good yeah. stuff, don't touch it. Mm. And that's – I mean, the difference between high school ball to, like, even JUCO and is just, like, drastic. Mm. And then you take that from going straight from high school to SEC ball – it's it's crazy and and what i started realizing early like in the scrimmages was that if you can't change speeds and locate like these hitters it's all about the count if they know it's a 2-0 count and you're throwing a fastball like they're gonna hit it a long way if you put it in their barrel <laughs> path and uh i can't remember who i gave up a bomb to uh it was plenty of them but it, it was somebody in the fall and i was just like jesus man like that that pitch I, like I either blow it by or just the kid watches it in high school uh, yeah, there was a lot of moments, though. I mean, definitely, of course, the Kentucky game when I was getting freaking, I don't know, just annihilated. <laughs> that was right before, like, I actually found out I had the injury. Mm. Uh, that game, of course, was kind of the welcome to the SEC. But I, th- I think that one, I, I'm pretty sure that was my second SEC outing. Mm. Uh, my first one I did all right in. But, yeah, I'd say those two moments, just the fall and, honestly, Kentucky. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, because like you said, you were committed to Clemson really early on, and then you obviously decommit and you go to South Carolina. So I know that the Carolina-Clemson rivalry had to be very interesting for you. I mean, it's already intense. It's the best yeah. rivalry in college baseball, in my opinion. But you got an appearance in that your freshman season through two-thirds scoreless with a strikeout. The game didn't turn out the way you wanted. But to get in there as a freshman against Clemson after decommitting and committing to Carolina, yeah. like I'm sure that had to be like such an adrenaline rush for you. Yeah, so – and. Uh, I apologize. That alarm's going to go off again. I don't want to get oh, out of the fine. app. But, um, but, yeah, man, like, you, you hit it spot on. Uh, so, to replay that game a little bit, shoot, I can remember it was like like it was yesterday. So, I'm sitting in the bullpen, and uh, I think we give up the home run to Seth Beer for him to tie it. And then someone goes in in front of me, and then they throw a wild pitch, like – I think it was tied 3-3, yeah. This, and this was the Sunday game, right? This is the yeah, Sunday – yeah, like at Carolina. Yes, this, this was the rubber match. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Okay. And okay. so it's me and this other guy warming up, and the game's tied. Mm. And I haven't even pitched that well in the first place, but we were just running low on arms. T. John was down, and, like, I did have a good good scrimmage, uh, good couple of scrimmages in the spring. So, like, they thought pretty highly of me. Um, so I was sitting in the bullpen, and me and this other guy, he was a vet. And we were warming up, and I was like, holy crap, like, this is it. Like, I, I was I was hoping, though, like, honestly, deep down, I yeah. was hoping they would put me in. Like, mm. I mean, I was that – because that's what I came here for. Like, I mm. lived for that. But uh, I didn't get the call then. Uh, so, the guy goes in, throws a wild pitch. Of course, they score, and so they're up 4-3. And I'm, I'm already pissed, but I'm thinking, like, all right, they're going to let him ride it out. Mm. Well, then they call down, and they're like, all right, you're in. So, yeah, it was – I mean – there's no ill will for me for Clemson. Like it was a, a strictly like business decision. I, I kind of knew Coach Leggett was gonna get get fired. I, um, you know, you could kind of just see the writing on the wall, and I didn't want to be stuck my senior year trying to find a place to play. Yeah. Um, or playing from a coach that I didn't know. So I mean, for me, it was just the rivalry itself, like the hype of it, the fans, everything else. Like, yeah, man, you you hit it on the head. That it was crazy. It was a adrenaline rush. That's for sure. I, I can't remember what happened in my outing. Like, I couldn't tell you, but I remember the thought process before I went in, and it was mm. it was intense. Yeah, I just remember after that series saying, thank God we don't have to ever see Seth Beer again. Dude. <laughs> that dude see, tore up South Carolina pitching. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he tore up everybody, but, I mean, every time yeah, they needed I, a big hit, he came up with it, it seemed like. 
Yeah, I played with him in uh in travel ball, and like he's a super, like kind of quiet guy. Mm. But man, he's a stud, and you could tell he was gonna be a stud. Like mm. it, it's that dude's gonna hit everywhere he goes. He, he's he, he's good, man. Yeah, well, I've got to ask you about that 2017 season again. You suffered the injury. It's like everybody got injured that year. I mean, Clark Schmidt yeah. went down. Tyler Johnson went down. And that season was a lot like 2019, the same team you were on, that it seemed like every weekend it came down to the last game and something happened and you guys would drop the series for whatever reason. I know the frustration had to mount. And then over the summer, Chad Holbrook steps down, whatever happens. He's no longer the head coach at South Carolina, goes to College of Charleston. Mark Kingston's hired. Back to Tolbrook, though, when you heard of the news, did it surprise you? Like, what was your immediate reaction? You were talking about you didn't want to go to Clemson and, you know, you knew Leggett was going to get fired. I mean, how did it – what was the thought process like there? Because, again, you just said you wanted to avoid that, and then you literally run into that same problem after your freshman year. Yeah, see, like, I'm a realist, so, I, dude, I thought I was gone. Like, Mm -hmm. I I sucked. I had a freaking 11 ERA. I was terrible. Um, I mean, the coach just got – you know, fired. I was really close with him. So you you thought they were going to cut you? I thought the new or you asked you to transfer or whatever. Like I thought Coach Kingston was legit going to come in because I put myself in their shoes. A guy comes right, in, right, right. he looks at the returners. Hey, this kid's got an injury that most people already don't come back for, and he had a freaking thirty ERA or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> why is he even still here? So mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm this is going to be a tough talk. But then Coach Myers called me like middle of the summer. And I guess he kind of had, had heard who was going to get the job. Or maybe mm-hmm. maybe Coach King had just gotten the job. And he was like, hey, don't freak out. Like, we'll, we'll discuss this later on. I told him, I was like, Coach, I understand. Like, if this is the conversation and this is the direction it's going, like, just kind of tell me. But he was like, nah, man, like, we'll figure it out uh, going forward. Just, just kind of be in touch with me, everything else. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, well. So that was kind of my, my mindset. It was just like dang, where am I going to go play now? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it definitely hurt. I think there was a – it was unfortunate, but I think there was a lot of uh, accountability issues. You know, I, I just feel like some guys – some guys, I don't know, they, they like to point the finger, um, you know, when things are going bad uh, mm-hmm. instead of pointing it at themselves. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I had an 11 area. I felt like I got too many outings after that. Like, mm-hmm. there's some guys that are batting 200 and thought they should be getting ABs and blaming the coach and doing this and that. And it was the same thing with any coach you play for, even in high school, you know. And there's – it's almost the problem with some people, man. There's just no account- accountability. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it was just like I, I was more disappointed because I felt like if I would have done my job better, maybe, you know, maybe it wouldn't have happened. Um, and it's even the same thing, like, when I, when I played for Coach Kingston, you know, it's just – I, I've always, I guess I'm a coach's kid, so I understand it because I saw, you know, with it with my dad and how it is. Um, you know, you just feel bad when you let your coach down. And so that was more my mindset. I just felt like, man, maybe if I would have pitched better and could have, you know, helped when T. John went down and when Clark went down, like this all wouldn't happen. Same thing in the 2019 season. Like, I was hurt, man. I had no business being out there sometimes, but – I wasn't going to say I was hurt because other guys were, you know, other guys were saying they were sore and stuff. So I was like, well, I can't be that guy on top of it. Like I, I've got to go at least try and, and, and give him some, I mean, some pitches, not let him throw a freshman who's, who's obviously struggling. Like 
So it, it sucks, man. When, when it's going bad, it, it really sucks. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I hear you. You said you don't want to be that guy. G- give some insight, though, to people of just, like, how hurt you were. Because people don't – I mean, when you're a pitcher and your arm's hanging, I mean, it, I mean that's that, – I mean, that, that's your, literally your weapon right there. I mean, you're hanging every other day and you're having to ice that thing. Especially, like I said, Dude. you recover from the rotator yeah. cuff. Like, so that – that I'm sure that because you had your best year as a sophomore. I mean, we're, we're you know you go yeah. through the stats: 1.35 ERA, 21 appearances, five saves, uh, 25 strikeouts. I know you and Graham kind of split the you know as far as who was the closer or whatever. But you threw some big innings that year. Obviously, you, you, you everybody remembers the clip of you strike or I think you struck out the last guy in the ECU regional or whatever. I mean, it, you threw some really big innings that year. But I, I mean, I, I think people just don't understand, like, when you're hurt and you're trying to throw, and, like, it, it is just – I mean, it's nearly impossible. Like, and you and you battled through yeah. it. I mean, kudos to you for that. Yeah, so people who play with me, they're going to laugh at this because, I mean, I don't know. Well, I'll go ahead and say it. But so after SEC tournament, uh, my arm felt like crap. And this was my sophomore year, so it, it felt like crap. Um, and we had to shoot the regional next week. So, you know, I go to the trainer. I'm like, hey, I need a quarter zone. Like, let's get <laughs> like, let's get a shot to the arm. I just won't throw. Like, Coach Meehan had already kind of told me. He was like, man, you know, just take what, what time you need. Just let me know when you can go. I was honestly, like, I really wasn't the closer per se. Mm. It was more so if Eddie can't go. Like, mm. because Eddie was our guy. Right. But if Eddie couldn't go and – they needed some a guy to get ground balls or thought that like a righty was was coming up or something um then I was the guy and then towards the end of the season it turned into me closing so I started throwing more and that's why like like I said the SEC tournament I felt like crap and then so I got a quarter zone like I think shoot maybe four days before the regional (laughs) and I remember throwing against ECU like felt fine everything felt fine and then I think I either threw the next day or the day after and that was like new for me because, like I said, with the, the injury, man, like, you can't recover. That, that's right. the problem is you, you just can't recover. And so I remember warming up to our bullpen catcher, and I was like, this was before Wilmington, and this was, like, the final game to go to the Supers. And I said, dude, you better tell me if it, if it looks like crap. Um, <laughs> am I still there? Yeah, you're, you're good. You're good. Yeah, I was like, you better tell me if it looks like crap. Like, I can't be going out there if it's 75. And he was like, no, no, you're good. You're good. Like, he was hyping me up. Right. <laughs> and so, I throw maybe five pitches. I'm like, screw it, whatever. Like, I, I don't care. If it sucks, it sucks. So, I go out there. And my first warm-up pitch, because it flashes on the board, was 74. And I was like, Jesus. Like, this is going to be bad. And next thing I know, I flip in the first pitch, like, 78. I was just throwing fastballs that were probably change-ups, just, like, rolling mm. over it. And I got, like, two ground balls, a line drive, and – Next thing I know, we were heading off to the Supers, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I did that, but let's go. Like, let's figure it out now in Arkansas. And it was the same way, man, like pure adrenaline, and mm. thank God for quarter zone shots. <laughs> Throw now, ask questions later, for sure. I yeah, love it. Yeah, at that, at that point, like, man, I'm not playing pro ball. Mm. Like, it's all to win now. I wanted to go to Omaha. That's what you come to South yeah. Carolina for. So, at that point, man, I really didn't care. Like, my arm blew out in Omaha. It did. Like, it right. really didn't matter. For sure. So, I do want to ask you about, because, again, the 17 to 18 year, the, the, the bounce back for the team as a whole, not just for you, but the team as a whole was huge. But, obviously, you go from Holbrook to Kingston. And, again, I've talked to a lot of your former teammates just about the impact he had, the transition. From your perspective, though, 
what was it like? Because, again, the 18 season was so interesting. You know, you guys got off to a slow start. Then the Presbyterian game happens. All hell breaks loose, I assume, in the locker room. And then this massive turnaround, you sweep LSU. It's like South Carolina just comes out of nowhere and goes on a tear. But just talk about that 18 season, the impact Kingston had, you know, so quickly it seemed. I mean, I've talked to – you know, I talked to Stokesy and a couple of the hitters. I mean, it's like just guys just – he re-energized a lot of their careers, it felt like, guys at the plate especially. Yeah. So, it was just like – I don't know. I think it was a lot of guys who were fed up with how they played. I think, like, going back to that old accountability thing, like, I think – I honestly think after that Presbyterian, all those coaches just, like, they made you feel like, what are you doing? Like, I, I just remember him telling us, like, like none of that you none of us have earned anything and what's what stuck with me is like even coach Kingston was like I like I haven't done anything here none of you have done anything here we're all at the same level and so I think it just brought like brought about like the camaraderie that like okay we really all all are on the same level like we've got to figure this out together and not be a bust because a lot of kids on that team I think eleven twelve drafted and way they had played before like that was not going to happen mm. uh they were not going to get drafted so I think everybody was just it was kind of like they were pissed off that you know we hadn't done something in so long um the season was just going just like everybody thought it was we were gonna you know blow it or whatever just just be a buzz so I, I think a lot of people just got fed up and were like dude I'm gonna be the player I was supposed to be and I'm gonna hold myself accountable and I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go and ball out and I honestly think that's just what it was was like after that meeting I know it's been talked about a lot but like that's kind of what it was for everybody um, but yeah I mean when he came in it was just new like playing for someone new it comes in there's new rules there's just it, it's new everything so you're just trying to kind of figure it out um, but, you know I I was lucky enough that I got close with both coaching staffs you know I loved complete I mean complete not op I wouldn't say opposites but like they the the way they coach I guess and the the structure is a little bit different um but I mean obviously both work you know coach Oberg's doing really well down at College Charleston and uh coach Kingston's got a great resume so and you know we played really well that year and I think they're going to be really good this year so I mean it's any style can work it's just a matter of having the the right group of guys to buy in and that's the biggest thing is the buy-in from the players um and like I said we just held ourselves accountable that year and Kind of figured it out. For sure. So I want to jump ahead again. We already talked about kind of the ECU regional. Obviously, you go, you guys go to Fayetteville. You're one game away from Omaha. That 19 season, I know you were talking about, like you said, you were the guy if Eddie went down or couldn't go or just whatever. But that 19 season, you were the guy. You were the closer. Um, obviously, I'll never forget you guys. 18 and 19 had those tough opening day losses, come back, win the series, whatever. But just talk about the 19 season for you as a whole. Because, again, I felt like it was one of those seasons where – you more so just dealt with injuries more than anything. I mean, just like you said, your arm was hanging. I mean, it was hanging in 18. It was hanging in 19. Just yeah. yeah, can you hear me? Yo, can you hear me? Sorry, I might have cut out. Yeah, I think I got you now. Okay, cool, cool. Sorry, I don't I, – I can uh, I can edit it out. It's all good. All right, my all bad. Right. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I was just, just going to say from 18 to 19 – I mean, you were the guy in 19, the closer, and you guys had those weird back-to-back opening day losses, but then won the series after. But just 
you know, your arm was hanging in 19. I think that was more of a product of, like you said, your, your arm injuries and struggles with that. And, I mean, you said it was hanging in 18 too. But just talk about the 19 season because I, I know that's not necessarily the way you wanted to go out because that was your last season playing. Just I think you probably just said screw it with all the injuries going on. But j- just talk about that 19 season for you personally, just trying to deal with that. And, again, I know I asked you earlier, but just giving people perspective, I mean, how hurt you really were just trying to make it work. Yeah, so – like, I felt like I just had the great season. We were a really young team in mm-hmm. the night team. Like, we were super young, especially on the mound. Yeah. Um, and, like, it, it really wasn't too much expectation, I don't believe. But in the locker room, there's a lot of expectation. And, mm-hmm. like, some of us upperclassmen held, like, we, you know, uh, we expected a lot of that team. I mean, none of us just wanted, like, there's still seniors on that team that want to go out right. with the band. So, like, that, the whole outside noise, like, we – we were dead set. We were going to be really good. And I think we proved that we were a good team. Like we beat a Liberty team that was really good. We could have swept them if I don't give up a bomb. Um, and, you know, we beat a good Clemson team that got, I think, to a regional or super one of the two. Like, you know, it, it was, it was weird, man. It, it the, I think the, the injury that happened to Carmen, I think honestly yeah. was a earning point mm-hmm. and, the reason I say that is because people – I don't think people understood the trickle effect of that mm. because, first of all, Reed didn't even come in as a starter. We were starting, I think, a freshman, and then we were starting to Carbon as a sophomore as our, I think, Friday guy at the time or whatever. Mm. Um, and then that trickles into the bullpen when now you're asking somebody else to get five innings. Five innings can turn into a lot, especially when you've got a couple of relief, relief guys like myself who, who can't really bounce back and can't mm. throw a lot. Um, and then you couple that with, with young arms. I mean, it's not excuses. It's just facts that, that an injury like that trickles down to not just starters, but to the bullpen. And, you know, I, I probably was just trying to do too much. Should have been more honest at times. Um, but, you know, I, I saw other kids struggling out there as a freshman. And, like, honestly, I know if I was in their position, I'd be pissed off if, if a junior or senior was sitting in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, I was just getting out there lit up and they were sitting out there because they said they were a little sore or whatever and in pain. So I was like, man, like, I, I've got to step up. Like, these kids are looking up to me. Um, I, I've got to figure out a way to do the job. And so it really sucked, man. Like, it, it, it sucked not being able to go out there and perform, um, you know, for them and, and for Coach Kingston and Coach B and everybody. So it wasn't fun at all, but I think when we went down to Mississippi State, just to give a perspective, it's like we had seven arms. Um, I don't know if that was, like, reported or whatever, but, man, we're going against the number, I think, two or maybe number one hitting team in the country mm-hmm. with seven arms. Um, and, I, I mean, I don't know, they weren't our best arms. Like, it's not like <laughs> we, were, we had our top seven going. Right. And so, it, it was a struggle, man. Like, it, it was a struggle, and it, it all started – with the that injury but you know you've got to find a way at times and we did still find a way to get an SEC mm-hmm. tournament I know that shouldn't mean anything South Carolina fans like and us too like we knew that like it, we by no means thought that really was a win right. uh you know we always want to get the postseason so <laughs> it was disappointing for sure and we felt it you know we we really we really were down about it um especially you know you could see it after like the fifth weekend at SEC, you just kind of know where you stand. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you throw on the fact that we were trying to pitch with nine arms for most of the weekend, seven sometimes, and you're mm. trying to fight for your life. It's, it's just tough. 
Yeah, the, the, the perfect example, because 19 and 17 to me were just extremely similar, because I agree with you, the Carmen injury was the, the, the tipping point for sure, and I just remember so vividly watching you guys hosted Georgia that year, and uh, and it's like, you know, I think Danny Lloyd threw the, the first game, or maybe it was Reed, but I just remember talking to somebody, and I'm like, man, when you don't have a guy like Carmen, and they've got a guy like Emerson Hancock throwing 98, like you just—I mean—you almost have no chance. I mean, because you have to win that game one to zero or two to one at best, most yeah. likely. You know what I mean? So, I think I think that was another side. Like, it's bad to say because as a competitor, you you always like you think you can win or whatever, and right, if you don't, right. you're gonna lose. And we thought we we could win, but like it didn't help that we we matched up against a team that was a horrible matchup for us like Georgia right. like they had three freaking top line starters and that's our first weekend right. and here we are we have all those new kids and we're trying mm. to tell them like hey because you can't really go in thinking SEC guys are too hot because you're kind of right. like you won't have the edge so we're trying to tell them like hey they're good but like they're beatable and then Emerson Hancock comes out throwing 97 <laughs> to 100 they bring guys out of the pen the next guy is a freaking freshman who's up to 98 yeah. like at that point I think I I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for them, but it just it just looked like a little – we were a little bit overwhelmed, deflated, I guess, as a as a group. And it, it might have been new guys or whatever, but it, it was just tough, man, running into a Georgia team like that the very first weekend. For sure. I, I want to move to a positive note, the 2019 season, because I'm sure you – you know, you celebrated in this success because you talked about he's your brother, TJ, TJ Hopkins, that Clemson series. I mean, I don't – I don't know what was going on. That looked like a beach ball to him. I was at all three games. I mean, home run after home run after base hit after RBI. Just, just talk about that weekend for you. I mean, again, I know it's tough because you're dealing with the injury, but to see your boy out there just just destroying Clemson pitching, I mean, that, that had to be yeah. a blast. The Tiger killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. He, he, every, every series, if you look back, I'm pretty sure he went off. Like, Yeah something else like he's something else man if you put it doesn't matter what sport it is whatever if you give him an extra edge like that like the fact that he had his adrenaline going like he he can work himself up to hate just about anything and it <laughs> it was like you couldn't talk to him during that yeah. series he was just on another level and yeah it, it hyped me up man we, we we would hype each other up too and it was kind of cool because he was hurt my sophomore year. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. Like, that's right. he was the first one out of the dugout every time. Like, he was my hype, man. So, like, I would try to be that for him, even when I, you know, of course, mm -hmm. was, was blowing all my games. He, mm -hmm. I was still trying to be, you know, be there for him and, and of course, every teammate of mine. But, yeah, it was, it was cool because we, we grew up together. For sure. Talk about this past spring, obviously, 2020. You, you're a grad assistant. Talk, just kind of give me some insight of how that, how that came about. I'm sure it was conversations with Coach, Coach Kingston and stuff like that. I mean, you knew you weren't going to pitch your senior year because of the injuries. Just talk about how that came about. I mean, unfortunately, the season getting shut down early, but what that experience was like for you, because I know it sounds like you're, you're kind of moving, transitioning into a coaching career. Yeah, so um, the injury, like, I still can't throw to this day. Like I can't, I can barely throw a baseball. Like it's, it's pretty embarrassing. Mm. That injury happened after Upstate. Um, you still there? Yeah, I'm good. Yep. Yeah. So that that injury happened after Upstate, and so I didn't even tell the coaches because um, I I kind of thought it would it was just normal and like it would kind of come back to life because that's mm. kind of what it did. It was weird. But anyways, it didn't. And uh, so I talked to Coach Mead, King in my exit meeting. He was like, hey, why don't you come join the uh, staff? Help, help out Coach Mead. I was like, hell yeah, I'll do that because I wanted to already get college coaching. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, like my senior year, it was honestly, it was a blast. It was new for me. Like, of course, like anything, it, it was a little new spending a couple extra hours a day at the field, not really having your hand in it as much. Um, and obviously like as a student coach, you're not really doing like, I don't know, I guess true coaching. You're more so just there to provide like help and be the go between. Mm. Um, but man, coach me was really like welcoming with that. And we already had a good relationship. So it, it was really fun, like working with the guys, working with the freshmen, um, you know, and just getting to see how everything works behind the scenes. But yeah, the season, was, I mean, the season was fun too. I, I was mm. curious to see how we would have stacked up in SEC play. That's for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how did you think the season was going to go? Because I mean, it's just, I, we all kind of remember where we were when we heard the news when the season was canceled or whatever. And I, I mean, I'll be honest, I was pretty hyped for this team going into SEC play. I, I thought this team was obviously had the really tough series loss to Clemson, but I thought getting hot at the right time, like I, I really thought this was going to be a team that was going to make some noise in SEC play. Yeah, I think I, uh, I've said this to a couple of my buddies that, cause they always asked, especially like ones that were in pro ball and weren't in it mm. anymore. And of course weren't in the program. Um, but, like, I think with, with how Brandon Jordan and Thomas Farr were coming on to Matt, like, Carmen was going to figure it out. It was just yeah. a matter of – it was just a matter of when. Mm. So, you're throwing three top-line arms. I mean, Thomas Farr I've been here and has been up to, like, 97, 98 mm. already this fall. Like, Brandon Jordan's filth. Um, and, of course, Carmen was a first-rounder. And, he, like I said, he was going to figure it out. Then you throw our guys in the pen. You know, you'd have to carry back in the back. They put him back there. Um, like, it – Man, I think we'd have been really tough, to be honest. Tennessee was really good. That was our first weekend. Mm. Um, I mean, you so see that, what, what Crochet, who would have started Friday, he's already in the big leagues. Right. <laughs> yeah. Already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been – That would have been yeah, a good I, test. It would have been a very good test. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not saying we'd have done well against him. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But uh, I would have been curious to see how we would have done, uh, honestly. I mean, mm. I, I think – I think we're a really talented group. It, it was, it's, it's all he says, she said. I mean, who, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just more mad. You didn't get to see like Majinski crochet, Majinski Hancock. Like those would have been some legendary pitching battles, but I, I want to get your take. Cause again, that, that was your one year coaching with Carolina, but overall, I mean, you know, all these guys, you were there this past spring and you mentioned Jordan, you mentioned far. And like, like, like I told you, I'm a, I'm a huge baseball guy. So I'm, I'm already thinking baseball right now. I'm, I mean, I'm very high on this team as far as going into next season and kind of what Coach Kingston's building. I was able to go watch uh, the Blowfish over the summer and see Brady Allen, see Wes Clark. Brendan Malone's going to be a freaking stud. For yeah. This team. A stud. Um, just kind of give your overall. I mean, again, I know we're, we're looking way, way, way yeah. ahead. And, you know, people ask me, hey, what's the rotation going to be? And you're like, dude, I mean, it can change yeah. next week. But – just your overall projection, just for Carolina baseball under Mark Kingston. I mean, I'm I'm very high on it. I, I'd assume you'd probably yeah. say the same. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I think I think they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'll be, they're they're uh, they're really talented. I, I think they'll be fine this year. Uh, they've got. I've I've heard some very good things as far as you know, guys throwing what they've got coming in, the recruiting mm -hmm. classes they've got for the next couple of years. I mean. Mm -hmm it's it's gonna be Carolina baseball will be okay <laughs> I, I really I really believe so I I think we all just need to kind of take a deep breath and just kind of let it happen um yeah. but yeah the guys have been throwing really well there, there's a couple guys that are throwing better than expected uh at least from what I'm hearing so it, it should be a really fun spring I, I think I think there'll be some guys that that uh some newer guys that that'll have big time you know seasons I feel so 
it, it'll be fun. And, and Brennan Malone, I think he was hurt most of the year yeah. last mm-hmm. year. So he's a stud. If people don't know, that kid is a stud. He's he's a he's gonna be a freaking first second rounder. So I, I expect him to have a big season too. Um, but like you said, it's early. And but I know they're super talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, you know, I haven't seen those guys since shoot whenever we ended. Uh, I haven't actually seen any of them live, so it's not like I can really give any insight other than just kind of what I'm hearing as far as numbers go. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, lot of flamethrowers. I know that a lot, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of radar gun popping. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> and, that's, and that's a good thing. I, I was going to say, I, I just I watched Brennan drop some nukes over the summer. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be yeah. a fun time for sure. Uh, I'm going to get you out of here, Sawyer, but last question before I let you go. If you had to look back, and I know there were a lot of ups and downs in your career, but just – your favorite memory, it doesn't even have to be on the field, just favorite memory from being a Carolina baseball player, you know, playing for the Garnet and Black. Shoot. Hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of good memories you can't say aloud. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that is for sure. Uh, we had a good, yeah, I had a good time, that's for sure. But I would say, shoot, honestly, man, probably the – Honestly, my first game, I know it sounds cliche or whatever, mm-hmm. but and that, that's kind of a lame answer. But, man, like, it's not real until you walk on the field. And I've gone – my brother went to school there, and he went to school there during the national championships. And I actually met Christian Walker, Jackie, mm-hmm. and all those guys. So my brother was friends with a, a guy named Forrest Kumis. I don't know if you remember Oh, yeah, yeah. Kumis is a good buddy of mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually met all those guys at Kumis's apartment when, like, I think this was 2011 when they were all national champions. So, like, I remember that. And then all of a sudden you're walking on the field for your first game, and you're like, holy crap. Like, uh, now I'm kind of wearing the same jerseys that these guys wear. Like, I, and then Fish told me, like, I think I was Bobby Haney's uh, jersey. Mm-hmm. And, like, they didn't change jerseys. So, whatever jersey he had is the same one I'm wearing. So, right. I, that that to me was pretty cool. Um but, yeah, it, it was just really cool that, that first game, signing autographs, like stuff you've kind of dreamed of. And, like, honestly, I almost caught the yips in the outfield because I'd never <laughs> thrown with a fence that low. Right. And I'm playing catch. And, of course, the, my throwing partner, he's an asshole. He, he wanted line. <laughs> he's like, dude, I'm not throwing there. So, I'm like, all right. So, you know, I, I went out there and I was like, Jesus. there's Because there was all that student section right there. Right. I thought I was going to just air my one. Just smoke somebody wild, in the face. Yeah. I, I was a little wild, so. But, yeah, man, I was just looking around. I was like, holy crap, and seeing, you know, family in the stands. You got 7,000 deep on opening day or 8,000, how many ever we hold. Uh, it was really cool. So, the first game was just really awesome. Ironically enough, I think TJ's answer was damn near the same as yours. So, there you go. You yeah. guys really are brothers. Um, <laughs> no, nah, well, saw you. I appreciate it, man. I'm going to let you go here, but I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know I can speak for – for all Gamecock fans, especially Carolina baseball fans, it was a pleasure to watch you do what you do. And I used to refer to you as the Bulldog, and you certainly were <laughs> that battling through the injuries and doing what you did. But appreciate you taking appreciate the time, man. Obviously, best of luck with your coaching career, and we'll definitely be staying in touch for sure. Yeah, man. Sorry about the alarms.